0: what's up everybody welcome to my podcast the Sonder society Sonder is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own populated with their own ambitions friends routines worries and inherited craziness in this podcast we focus on the people behind instagram its advantages and disadvantages and how the future has been shaped around it i have designed and implemented a platform to share insights with you from a variety of guests with different backgrounds To let you into their life, work, relationships, and experiences. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Dan Palmer, and today we're going to talk a little bit about why I created Sonder Society. So we're really going to start there. I started this podcast on the premise of bringing people closer together creating a bit of a community um, of guests. People will be from different backgrounds. Some people you will already know. Some people will be your friends, maybe family members, and some people you won't know. We all have a story behind the scenes, and being able to find out those stories is really valuable to share experiences um, from people's past. For this show specifically, I've brought on a co-host. Her name's Brianna. I've brought her on to do a bit of a role reversal to interview me to allow you, the listeners, to learn about your host I guess the reason I brought Brianna on is she dangerously knows too much about me without any reason of needing to know this information about me. But I brought her on, so thanks so much, Brianna, for, for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me. You excited? Yeah, are you excited?
0: Honestly, I'm nervous. You should be. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually recorded a podcast before this, um, for a different episode. I was way less nervous and now it's reversed onto me doing the interview. I feel terrified. I've seen some of the questions that have been coming in. Um, I you know look a little flushed. I am. I am. <laughs> I'm glad the camera's not on for this part at the moment, but it's going to be exciting. There's going to be obviously a lot to go, go through. Um, like I said, the questions are pretty intense, but hopefully I can give you a bit of depth. I wanted to do this first episode really to show that I can be vulnerable with everyone, really give a little bit into my life this is really out of my depth to do this, but I think it's important to kind of open up. I'm at that age now where I am comfortable doing it. So that should be exciting, but I'm going to really leave it up to you to kind of take control of this interview and and I'll give you as much as I can.
1: Yeah, I think my, my first question is kind of piggybacking off what you just said. This is putting you in literally the most vulnerable spot. You're putting this out for people that like you, that don't like you, maybe Hate you, <laughs> maybe people that <laughs> sure. know you and don't know you. Like, what made you really want to do this? Like, what's motivating you to put yourself out there like this?
0: I think that's a really good question, and I probably haven't thought about that enough. I think a big part of it is, yes, this is a very very vulnerable spot to be in, and there is going to be people that listen to this that don't like what what I do, what I what I do to bring people on. Some people won't like the guests. Some people won't like me. I think I'm at this stage in my life where I'm coming up to 30 and that's kind of, it's felt like a bit of a tipping point where Mm. I've always had a passion to do podcasting. I always wanted to come up with something that was meaningful rather than just, you know, go on with your friends, have these conversations and just chat basically shit the whole time. They can be fun, but I wanted there to be a little bit of meaning behind it. So bringing people on and learning stories. A big part of that as well is when I meet people throughout all my traveling life and my life in general, I tend to go into a lot of depth in conversations. So that can be if I'm on a date with someone, if I've met someone at a bar for the first time, I really learn a lot about them. And you realize there's a big story behind everyone's life. No one's life is the same. But you have a lot of experiences that you can relate to. So that's a big part of it. I know I'm open, opening myself up to the uh, the scary world of the Internet, but hopefully, you know, people like it and, and can support me as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, right here, I'm looking at a, a couple questions from that scary world of the Internet. So kind of what we're going to do here is go through a couple of the topics that people have graciously giving questions to. So, people are very curious about you. They want to know about your family, your childhood, what you do for work, and most importantly, your dating and relationship yeah. world. Yeah. So, let's get into it. Um obviously, uh you have a weird little accent going on. <laughs> so, tell us. Tell me about where you're from. You're obviously living in Canada now. Talk to me a little bit about England and your ch- childhood and your upbringing.
0: Yeah, for sure. I like how you said weird accent. So that gets that uncomfortable part out of the way. <laughs> um, I think, first of all, my accent is pretty confusing. It's a mix of British, Australian and Canada from all the traveling I've, I've done. Um, but I'll take you back, I guess, to the beginning. Um, a lot of people don't know my childhood and upbringing because I'm living in Canada right now. So it's unless it's brought up in conversation, um, not a lot of people know that story. But if I take you back, I was born in England, as a lot of people know. Um, typically, when I go out, I tell people I'm from Manchester. It's kind of the nearest city to me, but also, I guess, the safest place to say you're from. Yeah. Um, a lot of people know that. Um, a lot of people presume I'm from London. That's not the case. I'm actually from the northwest of England. So my hometown was called Lytham. Um, I'll, I would spell it out to you because a lot of people ask, but I'm not going to. Um. And the, the town that I lived in was called Ansdell. So mm-hmm. small town, like super, super cool. There was kind of towns surrounding it. And when I say small town, like thousands more people than a typical small town in Canada. Mm-hmm. But that's where I was born. I stayed there for, God, I think till I was 21. Grew up there, went to school there, did very little traveling. I think the first Plane ride I went on. I was like sixteen. It was years, really? and all my friends. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really have like family vacations. Let's right. say. So it took a long time. To Where
1: was the first place you went on the plane when you were sixteen?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I think Portugal. Oh. I think Portugal was the first place I went to. That's also like one of my favorite places. Yeah. Honestly, in the world, like it's a beautiful place. Um, and then I did one flight um to france which is obviously so close to me right. like it's, it's not even, even a flight so i think a lot of my traveling goes back to the curiosity of like not going on a flight for a long time and then i flipped the coin i was like there's more out there i want to get out um you know and see the world so were you
1: in like when you said you haven't taken a flight did you go anywhere else in england or were you just in your small town for 16 years
0: no like we did we did like for example we went to like amsterdam Right. So Holland on a tour with school, but we went on a coach.
1: You took a bus? Yeah, bus. How how long is a bus ride
0: there? I don't. uh, mm, It's a good question. Like you'd probably get to London then you'd go over to France So London, like four hours, then over to France, two hours at three. Maybe like a 12 hour journey on on a bus. That's a lot. Then there'd be like (laughs) 50 kids on this bus going to like play a a, a football soccer game. Right. Um, So super fun. Again, great experience. But in my childhood, I just didn't have those opportunities. Like right. my family didn't travel as much. We were kind of close in that community. Um, we did, you know, go on these kind of road trips with, um, to Wales. And that was like a big thing. Like Wales is obviously part of the UK. Uh, and that's, I think like three hour drive. You can, you can enter Wales. Or if you go to Scotland, it's from my place, it's about a two hour drive. So super close. Right. But to me, when you're a child, that's like, oh my God, we've gone to Scotland. If you look at it from a Canadian perspective, you would be like, Awesome! Well done. You got on a bus for two hours. That wouldn't even get you to like. We went any- to Edmonton. <laughs> exactly. You literally just reached Edmonton. Um, but yeah, my ch- my childhood there wasn't a lot of traveling, so I think that kind of pushed me to to the position I'm in today.
1: Yeah, um, you mentioned taking charters for for sports. What sports did you play?
0: Yeah, another good question. So I actually st- I played a lot. Um, I'm going to say this first because I think people laugh. Um, I played cricket. I started <laughs> off playing cricket very british sport so that was super fun i honestly wasn't that good like i was good at batting bowling yeah i know (laughs) i know but football or soccer um where you're kicking it yeah um yeah footy that was that was like my sport yeah and it really was like i was really really good at a young age i was you know i look at it now and i was like i was in the paper every week and my mom created a scrapbook she still has it and it has hundreds of newspaper articles of dan palmer scored again he got his hat trick so that was
1: cute she kept all that and made a little oh yeah she
0: made like this cool little book i'll i'll try and find it when i go back to england but it's it's super cool so i started off doing that i then i couldn't even guess what the age was and then i started to have interest in rugby and i was like the cool, the cool guys are kind of playing rugby. I want to get involved in that. But I was a skinny kid. Like I was small. Mm. So that was a concern. And my mom was like, you will break your legs. Like, don't <laughs> get into that. Um, so I think that put me off for a bit. And then I, I, you know, got the courage somehow, wanted to get in that team sport, did that. And I had a lot of confidence as a kid. So you do get into these team sports. Right. Got into rugby and I simultaneously did these games. So what I would do is on a Saturday... I would go and play the football match in the morning at like 10 a.m., play the game for two hours, whatever it was. In the car, my friend's dad would take us because my parents didn't drive, and I would get changed into my rugby attire in the car and go straight onto the field, play another two hours how, how I was that fit when I was young, I don't know. That's not the, the physical shape I'm in now. And it uh, shows. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Just kidding. Um, but that was obviously super fun. Like I love team sports. So those were my main things. Obviously your typical things like your tennis and, and those side sports that yeah. everyone kind of takes up. But that, that was the main focus.
1: Yeah. Did you enjoy school when you were growing up?
0: Honestly, yes and no. Like the biggest side of it was is no. Because um, when I look back, it was a difficult time and why so i'm gonna yeah good question so (laughs) it was a difficult time looking back now it didn't seem it but it was a difficult time anxiety depression Mm -hmm. years ago we didn't understand it right i understand it very you know a lot now Mm -hmm. but then i didn't you know i would go to classes and first of all sitting me in a classroom is a nightmare like people that already know me is i'm quite extroverted like i like to get out and being kind of locked into that sit at your desk position, listen to someone speak. That was just not the way I learned. I like to be kind of more operational and physical. And in like the mix be, of things. Yeah, just a doer, I'd say. Yeah. So that gave me a lot of anxiety that you were like, you have to do this, you have to follow these rules. And people, again, that know me, is I don't like to follow the rules. I kind of go off my own, almost OCD. And You and also
1: that- feel different when you see other people in class that are understanding things just from reading or something like that. And you're like, why am I not picking these things up? Like I need to be doing it to understand it.
0: Yeah. I think when p- it's easier now when you're older to look back at school and it is difficult. Some people loved school and they yeah. desperately didn't want to leave. I, I really wanted to get out of it as soon as I could. Yeah, And there was amazing things that I loved it. Like I had a great friendship group. They were super supportive but I would kind of go to school and be like, when's it over? Or when can I go to my sports game? So all of my focus was focused on like physical activity, your physical education there, how to learn that. Like I was captain of all the teams. So the rugby team, I became captain of soccer team, I was captain of. So picking up that really quick and being the captain, that was my achievement. I felt in school, I was pretty smart. Like I wasn't like I'm kind of street smart, I would describe it. And looking back at schools, I was kind of I was your A's, B's, like some C's, like dependent on you. What do you mean uh,
1: A's and B's are really good? Yeah, but not
0: to <laughs> me. In my like, because that's how much is pressure. there better
1: than A's in England?
0: You you can have like an A star, that's what they have in England, which would be an A plus. Yeah, so if you got an A star, it's okay. Like, oh my God. I'm
1: I'm over here happy with well. I, in elementary, we did like one, twos, and threes.
0: Right. Yeah. And again, it, it like that's when I look at it now, I'm happy with the grades I got. I mean, if I look at myself now, it doesn't make any difference. No. But when you again that created anxiety because you cause this pressure in yourself of that's not good enough because around you there's another twenty students in the class, all getting a plus or a star, whatever that is, but you get to be in that class. Right. So then you're like, I'm not good enough. It's a very difficult environment to be in. So I think for me, the personal struggle that I had internally this was my internal problem. Yeah. Um, was I didn't know how to deal with school necessarily. So yeah. it was a bit of a tough time.
1: I also think that society doesn't highlight if you're really good at sports or if you're really good at gym or if you're really good at like public speaking or something like that it's it's more if you're good at math and science and get a's and do all that good stuff but nothing else is really highlighted and that's why it can kind of cause that anxiety too i think
0: yeah i think i also i I kind of became a bit of a class class like i acted out a bit like when i look back at back at class i i did stand out i was the loudest in the room and that was actually looking back it was kind of a coping mechanism like being the loudest it was like be an extrovert so that you hide the the grades or the introvert part of your life yeah and that's what i did in school definitely
1: yeah, for sure. Um, what did you find that was, you know, most the diff- most difficult about growing up and being a child? The anxiety, depression, talk me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, I think, well, ex- so panic attacks was the first thing that I developed. And that was...
1: How old were you when you had your first panic attack?
0: Seven, like it was young. Ooh, that's yeah. young. Yeah, like I say that's seven. scary. It was terrifying. And the reason it was terrifying at that age is... With panic attacks, it's physical symptoms. Yeah. A lot of people listen to this will be like, "I know exactly what 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 it is." Yeah. And some people that have never had it will not understand, especially totally. at that age, what it was like. For me, b- the physical symptoms caused me, like the anxiety and depression. It was like a roll. It was a domino effect. Totally. Um, but having like a panic attack. So, for example, I could go to a class in school and prior to like, oh, you've got to go to your class at nine, I would freak the fuck out that I have to get to this class at nine. I have to stick in this chair. I have to be sat in that chair for an hour. Yes, yeah, I used to look at the clock being like, okay, it's going to be an hour class. When can I get out? Can I leave at this time? Will he let me out to go to the bathroom? The bathroom thing was a massive, crazy thing in school because teachers mm-hmm. used to say, you're not going, you can't go, you got to stay in here with an hour. And it wasn't actually me, but I think that was created again, a domino effect because a girl as you can imagine, had different scenarios in a class one yes. time and she was not allowed to go out. So that it was is crazy. Yeah. It's so wrong. You, most <laughs> people have heard that and it's kind of it felt like a prison to me. Yeah. Which created complete panic attacks. Right. In turn, what that created was a lot of anxiety. So I would do kind of social it would be like social anxiety where I put off a lot of things, so the normal things I like even wanted to go to class. I remember again, I think it was seven. I was crying my eyes out as a little boy begging my mom to not let me go in the class and they didn't understand this was years ago no one understood because i couldn't say oh by the way i'm having a panic attack they would just think i'm kind of acting out as a little brat being like why is he screaming just go in your class and it was almost frustrating for parents but that was a that was a pretty difficult journey i think
1: totally would you say that was like the worst part of your childhood the worst phase of it
0: on probably 16 to 20 honestly because that That phase was a phase where I almost was like trying to navigate who I was, but also who I was as in anxiety, depression, panic attacks. So when I, I talk about it easy now because I know what it was. I know how to deal with it. I know what the triggers were. But when I first figured it out and you would tell your grandparents, they would, you know, react in, oh, you're fine. Like it's okay. And we slowly, you kind of read things, you go to the doctors and it got to a point and I'm not sure of my age, maybe I was 16 and it was like, "You, this is panic attacks. This is the symptoms that you subscribe, uh, you know, describing to us.
1: How did you figure that out?
0: I went to the doctors and what actually happened was I went to the doctors every week. I would be like, I feel sick, I feel sick today. And my mom would be like, you feel sick every day. But I did feel sick, but right. that was a physical symptom of a anxiety. P- of anxiety. Yeah. And I'd be like, I feel sick. And they would do all the tests and be like, your blood's perfect. You literally have a heart rate of an athlete. Yeah. You're doing all this sport. Everything is fine from science almost, so to speak. But to me, I was like, no. And I started to get angry with like doctors because I started to, and that what's made it worse, anxiety, because I was like, no, that's not right. You don't know how I feel. And I would almost turn on them. And then they started to think, hmm because I was almost turning on them, there's something kind of mentally wrong at this point. And that's kind of how I figured that out.
1: Well, I think that's the craziest thing about people that have never felt anxiety or that physical symptom of it. It's it's something you can't describe. And it's also, if people don't get it, they just don't get it, you know? And I think that's one of the more difficult things of dealing with anxiety and depression. It's like, you can't really explain it. You just feel it. And it's if somebody doesn't understand it, it's really, really hard to explain it.
0: Yeah, I think honestly, going back to kind of your first original question about why this podcast, I think there is a big mental health aspect to this. And some people will come on, they'll go deeper in it. Some people I know have had mental health struggles, but I've had them myself. And I think you need to be in a comfortable, safe space to be able to talk about it. Now, this is hard because you're being vulnerable and a lot of people honestly see me as this crazy extrovert you'll see me like out in the barn you'd be like oh he's so confident he's got all this however there is a story behind the scenes a lot of people don't know that there's this introvert there's this anxious this part depression that comes up like i am really an emotional roller coaster and there's great times and there's great great lows too And being able to talk about that again the older i've got the better i have become at understanding it but it's very difficult there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this and go well where where did that come from like i don't understand how did you feel and that's honestly a good thing i'm glad people will listen to this and feel like that because not everyone gets this right you know they may have something else that i don't understand but there is also a lot of people now in the world and it's a lot more of an open space to talk about that have mental health issues are able to have that conversation, are able to be vulnerable. Um I do genuinely believe the more you speak about it, the uh the better it is for, for yourself and people around you.
1: Yeah. So where does that confidence come from? You are in the bars, you're talking to everyone, you're everyone's best friend. Where does that come from?
0: There's two there's two parts to it. There's one of it there's one part is uh, that is the fake face. Like that is a I'm putting up a a personality almost. So sometimes I have this kind of trigger that was part of a mechanism that I learned from, you know, having panic attacks. It was almost like do the opposite, go into the room and be as fucking confident as possible. And no one will know that you have a mental health issue or you are anxious because it's true. If people think I'm super loud, I'm the party boy and everyone loves that, they'll be like, nothing's wrong with him. And that was a mechanism. The other side of it is there is a there is a, you know a piece of the puzzle of my actual life is I am confident. You know I have a lot of confidence in the things that I've, I've done in my life and the decision that I that I've made. So I do have that so it's a split it's not a split personality but it's a split part that sometimes confidence can be seen as a mask and sometimes confidence is the true confidence that comes out.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously you know you you do not live in England anymore a lot of this mental health stuff happened when you were living in england it obviously still is happening now but what made you leave england do you feel that this contributed to starting a new life somewhere where nobody knows you
0: that's a really really good question which i've probably not thought about it in that way there is probably a tiny part of me that when i was younger you probably think running away is probably an easy way to deal with it and it probably was when I first traveled obviously before when I left England I left and went to Australia lived there for really just over a year year and a half worked out there and that was kind of my running away so when I booked that flight I left the, the next day bag packed left my bedroom the exact same and went there was no return flight I I went alone with with actually my friend's parents were on the same flight and they kind of said look we'll take him um And they knew about kind of my anxiety and stuff. So they were like, he needs to start traveling. He needs to get out there and see the world. So there was part of me that wanted to run away, but there was also a part of I knew I had to break a routine mold because sometimes when you have mental health issues, let's say, if you stay in the same routine and you don't break it, you don't make a change, you will remain in that same Zone that you're always in, yeah. But well, you think that in your mind, yeah. So that was part of like like moving away, and then obviously I I ended up in Canada. So there's, there's there was a big part of me that probably had a bit of a okay, run away. This may solve the issue, but then there was also a huge part of me that knew in the world it's a huge place. There's a lot of things that you can discover in your life. I knew traveling would be massively advantageous and an achievement if I could do that, and I convinced myself if I have panic attacks, anxiety, and depression, and I can go to a country on my own across the other side of the world, there's nothing wrong with you. That's a weird way to think, but that's how I trained my mind. And that's how I did think. When I landed in Australia, those didn't disappear, but it felt like they did because I felt like I had achieved what didn't trigger it. So that's kind of, I guess, my best answer of understanding kind of why I left.
1: Yeah. I want to learn more about your family. Um, Tell me about it. Are you are you a sibling do you have any brothers do you have any sisters
0: do you yeah know? yeah good question again a lot of pe- i think a lot of people think i'm just i don't even have any family it's just me and <laughs> me and i was dropped you and in- tucker i know i was just dropped into this world um i uh, believe it little asteroid, probably you know what I,
1: a little jimmy neutron dropped into the universe
0: i have a, jimmy neutron yeah i have a joke your hair i, I return <laughs> home <Jimmy> <laughs> i have this joke at home and i every time i go back as well i'm like oh the adopted kids here like i always played that card i'm like are you sure i'm not adopted um they get so annoyed with it i'm sure they would bring up blood tests or something to convince me but i played that card all the time so i am not the only child um i have a brother and sister they are both older than me um they're also both in england so so both back there also other side of my family. So I've got a relatively small family. So at the moment, it's just my mom. Um, Don't have a dad. We can obviously delve a little bit deeper into that one. And at the moment, I've got my gran. So over the time, obviously, people have passed away. Um, So there's a bit of story with that. But that's kind of the the basis of the family right now.
1: Yeah. Um, Who are you the closest with in your family?
0: Another good question. (laughs) So I'm actually closest to my gran. Um, And The reason my gran actually felt like a father figure to me is probably the best way to describe it. She, in my opinion, had the best answers for everything. It felt I felt comfortable telling her things. She kind of went through my journey of like the panic attacks, anxiety, and she came from a very much. Obviously, she's older. She came from the background of there's nothing wrong with you. And that was a different time. Yeah. Very different time. And I wouldn't say that was her mentality. Well, it was a mentality at first. And then she started to read much. She started to think, well, look, I love Dan. Like I protect him. I need to figure out what he's feeling because clearly he's feeling something I don't understand. She looked a bit deeper in, in that. And I really think that obviously helped us connect. She kind of softened up to support me through that phase but also just when I look back everything in my life she has been the father figure that I guess I've always looked for but I've had other figures obviously my mum has been a great figure she's brought up three kids uh, I had my grand's who was around for for kind of my younger years up to I, I couldn't even remember now but maybe up to like 13 and I remember that she was super close again so I, I've always been drawn to I guess that female figure yeah. but somehow turning them into a male figure in a, in a weird way
1: yeah i mean you just said yourself you do not have a father take it away
0: yes i do not and people will be like what do you mean how did you again i'm the asteroid that landed on earth um no i do not so i actually do not know my father at all um so when i was born he as far as i know he essentially ran away is, is what i would say I was being born and he, from what I know from the story is he was with my mom. They were married and he found another one. He fell in love with whoever this person was and left immediately. There was no story behind it apart from that. Now, as I got older, I avoided this question a lot because I didn't want to know, I just didn't want to know the story. And then I asked, I actually asked recently, just before I returned to Canada, I said, before I leave, because I knew this would be the last time that I would leave uh, countries, really, from my family, I, I sat them down and I said, I know it's a difficult t- topic and you you've, you, guys have all been through it, you passed it, we're 30 years down the line, but what, what happened? And they very bluntly said, there really is nothing else to it apart from he went off with another woman, he essentially had an affair went off with another woman left your mom left you when you were being born and that's as, as kind of as far as that story goes
1: how do you think that that's impacted you obviously that's that's huge you know having to live without a dad having to kind of know the reason why he left how do you think that that has impacted you
0: another great question i think i thought it never did for years honestly i thought it never did and i wouldn't say it impacts me a lot but subconsciously it impacts you so for example sometimes it, like if you have an ex-girlfriend for example you can be drawn to the dad in the family right. if they have parents because you're desperate for that kind of dad role model that support
1: did you feel like you did that
0: i did i it yes i did i tend to I don't know if I tried to impress the dads, but I did have, there was one girlfriend that I was with for about three years. I was young, but I was very, very close to him. Still speak to him, honestly, like the the odd time. Like I'll go back to England and I'll say hi and they they live super close to us. Um, Still friends with that family, but he was that role model that you do look for. And I think naturally, if you don't have that role model in your life, you do want to fill that gap because when you've got all your friends that are surrounding you that have a mom and a dad and it's a very that's very normal when you don't have that you question you like why don't i so you draw yourself in to fill that gap naturally
1: right that's obviously you know it's difficult do you do you resent him like what would you say if you saw him
0: Another good question. So I actually, I had a therapy session and I think I've actually spoken to you about this before. So you probably know where this is going. Um, I went to a therapy session and honestly, this wasn't really the topic of the session. Um, he went in and he basically said, you're a single therapist. Yeah. He said, you're a single child. And I was gobs, I was like, how the fuck did you get that? Like, how did you know that? I never gave him any indication in my mind and I was like, yeah, don't have a dad. And he was like, that makes sense. And he didn't really give me anything on that. But he started to very quickly turn in, I want to do this scenario. And what he did is I was in this room, kind of like an apartment-sized room. There was a coffee table and basically three chairs. So there's me and the therapist and there's this was the spare chair. And he said, I want to do this little scenario. And it's obviously some form of psychology or psychologist scenario they do. Um, to talk about things openly in obviously a safe, safe space. What he said to me is, take a look at this spare chair and imagine your dad is sat in that chair right now. How would you feel? So he asked you things like that. And I think my first response was anger. Like I was like, fuck this guy. Like, I haven't seen him for 29 years. He has no right to be in this room. Like, you instantly kind of lash out. That's your you first thing you do. And you've obviously built that up as a kid. There's anger there, Right. Um, he then starts to kind of ask deeper questions like, I want you to look at the chair. Again, there's no one there, but it feels like there is this fake dad in the room, let's just say. And he'd be like, what, what do you want to say to him? And I was closed off. I was like, nothing. Don't want to speak to him. He doesn't He doesn't deserve to speak to me. He's not been in my life for 29 years. So I had that kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, the he's obviously trying to make me think a little bit differently. He's like, look, this is your one opportunity Your dad's probably coming to an age where he may die soon. So he may turn around and say, well, I need to go and speak to this son that's in the world that I haven't put effort into that could happen in your life, or you could never speak to him. But if you had the one chance, what would you say? And I think what happened in that moment, I was, it pretty much came down to why, like I was just like, why you brought me into this world, whether it was an accident or not, don't, don't really know that maybe it was. And I probably was. Um, (laughs) But you brought me into this world. And for 29 years, you did nothing. Mm -hmm. And bear in mind, my mom didn't stop him. It wasn't like I leave my children alone. They were very open of if you need to, if you want to know your kids, you can. Right. So this was purely his choice. For me, it was, it's a coward's way out, I believe. Like, I think there is a lot of guys that do this and just think I don't want responsibility. So it was just purely like, why did you do this? Why for 29 years have you just completely abandoned me? And bear in mind, he didn't just abandon me. He abandoned my brother, which Mm -hmm. would have been uh, for 35 years. I think it is now my sister for 31 years. They're older than me. You completely abandoned it. The the biggest anger I ever had probably in my childhood was I, my mom doesn't know this, hopefully she's not going to listen, but (laughs) I opened a, you know, the shit drawer you have in your family house. Yeah, John, Gender. yeah yeah you open that and there's just loads of crap in there and i opened it and there was my mom's pretty ocd so it's all like nicely nicely done and i open it and there's this letter and i'm just the curious kid i'm like oh, fuck it, i'm opening this letter i open it and the one letter i open and take the risk opening says basically says your dad john palmer or whatever it, his, his name was that's his name i've said it now but whatever uh, yeah, on everyone, the internet. i know everyone's gonna be looking for that um but i saw in this piece of paper it basically said like you pay the children i think it was like one pound six a month or something like that so to give you just like a e-
1: dollar 60
0: basically yeah so to give you an equ- equivalence if you're in canada For the sake of this, let's just say a dollar. So it's like a dollar, a
1: dollar a month for three children. Yeah, so for three children,
0: and this was obviously through the courts and whatever, you know, whatever. Did
1: Did he not have a job?
0: I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't know the story of his life. But anyway, in this context, I saw. This is all I saw. Right. And you can imagine, and especially as a child when you don't understand, it's a bit different now. I understand a little bit more, but. When you don't understand, you can imagine the anger that brought out, and I was angry. Honestly, not for me or my brother and sister. I was angry for my mom mm-hmm. because she'd raised three kids and had no money her whole life, nothing, and she's getting this one pound or a dollar or whatever you want to call it to it's literally support. Like
1: save your change. I do yeah, need and that. it
0: was it was like this was a slap in the face. It was a slap in the face, and again, I that was when I felt a pain towards my mom for having these three kids she's gone through this marriage she's I'm not saying she was the easiest person to be with there was obviously a reason behind it and he'd moved on but however you look at it you still have this responsibility and it's obviously shaped a lot about how I would be in my future um I obviously would not be going down that route of just run away and 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 don't have commitment you want to be in the right relationship and, and there's the right things to do but yeah, that was definitely a memory that, that stuck in my head and, and, and going back to the situation with the, um, psychologist being in that room, I, I purely would have looked at him and just said, why the fuck have you not done anything in 29 years? Not even a, I'm sorry. Like, cause I don't, I don't, I have no expectation to him to come back in the life. Right. However, I also did find out that he has other kids. So, again, another part of anger. I don't know that situation, but is he with those kids? Did he fuck them off too? Are they 29 years down the line? Like, okay, cool. He's just making kids everywhere and nothing happens. So, you know, it's a blessing in disguise. I obviously speak about it quite openly now. I don't, I I haven't spoken about it a lot. There's only, you know, close friends that know this. Um, But I think, you know, people probably will see that in me that I was raised by You know, just just a female, just a mom and and, and my grand, And that was kind of the family dynamic.
1: Yeah, I mean, even going back on what you were talking about before is saying you weren't sure about why you had anxiety and panic attacks. I mean, this potentially could be a big driver of that.
0: Yeah, I think honestly, yes, it is. I love that you're my personal therapist that I don't pay (laughs) for. Um, But yeah, I think, I think that is a good point because like I said, a lot of the things that were created in my opinion is subconscious behavior. So when I developed these things, it was definitely a thing that happened over time. So you can imagine if you're a really angry child that's angry because you don't know why, like in your mind, you don't know why your dad isn't there or you don't have a dad. You build up anger and what anger can create when you suppress it is obviously anxiety because you're pushing down, you're forcing these feelings down. It creates panic attacks. So you could go to an event and it's like, I don't know if you had it in Canada, you know, like um, parents day where the parents would come into school. Oh my school. gosh,
1: I can imagine that was like, oh, yeah. so traumatizing for you.
0: Well, it was just, again, it's just when you're a kid and you don't fucking understand what's going on. Yeah. it That is so confusing because again my typically what would happen is like my mom would come and she would do brave face but at the same time she, like my mom would come with my gran and she'd kind of step in and do that but again you've seen everyone around you and i'm doing this complete extrovert like it's fine i don't care but really deep down all you want is your mom and dad to be there like all the other kids and that are in the room yeah
1: Um, One of the questions we have here is if you could change anything about the way you were
0: raised, what would it be? That's a great question. I mean, in, in short, nothing. Nothing because I'm proud of, like I said, my mom took three kids yeah. she had to juggle like working shout not working yeah shout out to bev Shout out Sh- to bev yeah she she'll for sure be a number shout one shout out supporter. to bev and christine there you go there you go <laughs> yeah christine might shout at you for dropping that name Oh, no. um honestly nothing when you think about it and a lot of people i think do say that obviously you can look at it and say if i could change anything it would have been the perfect scenario you have that male role model in your life you have your mom you have that family that's together forever but Look at the life we live in right now. People are getting divorced. Parents are getting divorced at the moment. It's, it's happening more more often. It's, it's almost becoming more of a normal thing. I know some some of my friends, as they got a little bit older, some of their dads passed away. And that was heartbreak. I felt complete, pure emotion of, I know what you feel like. Because it did feel like my dad died. Even though he was never there, I had nothing to miss. My brother did. He knew him for six years. And he's the only, he's the only person in the family that knew what he looked like. So the other part of that is I only saw I only ever saw one picture of what my dad looked like. So it just always felt like grief. It always felt like a loss. But looking back at it, honestly, I would have changed nothing. I was spoiled as a person could have been in that. And when I talk about spoiled, like football boots, I got the best ones. And you would you'd think oh they're cheap. They're not. They were like a hundred pounds back in it, and that and that was like weeks of wages for like my mum. And she would do everything like all that happened. My, my sister could go to dancing classes. I went to rugby like my brother was, you know, it really affected him a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, his anger was like ADHD, like a full on aggression that, that got out of control. You know, he spun it around right now, but we all dealt with it very differently. And my part was the front. My sister was more closed down, closed off. And my brother was anger. Um, and but yeah my mom did an amazing job and you know I've got I've got myself to where I am now and that's when I look back of getting yourself to 29 without that person being in in your life is obviously you know a clear achievement and could he have done anything if he was in it maybe it would have been a different story and, and and maybe not a positive one
1: exactly well thank you so much for sharing all that stuff I know it's it's difficult to talk about childhood and and parents and obviously that's super deep but I do think a lot of people will relate to that there's so many people out there that that go through those struggles and you know that could help them for sure I'm gonna move into the next segment a lot of people are very curious about what you do luckily your next episode is with our CEO Jackson so he definitely dives into the business and what we do um as dan mentioned we work together every single day eight hours a day and
0: is that bad is that bad for me or bad for you
1: i think it's bad i don't know you tell me you tell me every day it's bad for you
0: it is it's a stressful life
1: you ask me every day how my boyfriend lives with me because i'm a nuisance
0: yeah i feel like if mike's ever listening to this podcast i feel sorry if you did
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> he is extremely happy. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. Gun to his head. Um, <laughs> no, but people are curious about work. So obviously you and I work together. Um, we clearly have a good working relationship. We've worked together for over a year now, which mm-hmm. is crazy. You started off in England, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, you started over a computer screen and actually lied to me. You, I did. I did lie. You didn't tell me that you did not live in Calgary. <laughs>
0: To be fair, you didn't ask. So is just, that
1: the tr- is that the way lies go? If you don't ask, don't tell.
0: Ah, uh, that's you're suing me there. Like, be careful. No, that's mm-hmm. not how it goes. But in that scenario. So to give context, yes, we worked together. And when I decided to hire Brianna, we went through the interview process and I was in England at that time. Being in England, I felt it felt it was completely unnecessary to share that I was in England. I played it off on a Zoom call like I was in Canada. Shady. Yeah, shady Dan. No, I had a different background um, on the Zoom call, kind of blurted out, and and I felt there was no reason for me to say anything. You know, looking back, and obviously when I arrived in Canada, you were like, what the hell? Like, I thought you were always in Calgary. Why were you in England? No,
1: I showed up to the office to meet the team, and that was like my you know, here's a team. Do you, want, do you like this office? Do you want to work here? And I showed up and everyone was in person. And then Dan was sitting on a TV <laughs> screen, like, oh, I don't know, like a, like a robot. So it was really, really weird, but you're here now in person. Hey, you're I, not a I
0: apologize. I guess all I can do now, but you're also welcome.
1: Um, okay. Well, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so people are asking, what do you even do for work? What do you do for work?
0: Good question. I feel like that. I feel like a lot of people actually don't know what I do or have done in the past. Like, I honestly think I go on and I out, and people are like, "What is, is, is well, this?" Well, I'm
1: pretty sure people think like it's a pyramid scheme.
0: Do they? <laughs> 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 honestly, I don't. Do, is that no, what I'm
1: going mean? off that one comment of someone that wrote you that testimonial and was like, "When Dan reached out to me, I thought it was a pyramid scheme." Oh yeah.
0: Scheme. Yeah, and they were like, "It was an amazing experience," but it, yeah. at first, yeah, okay, fair enough. So. I guess in in short term, I'm a director of recruitment. I run a recruitment agency uh, with my colleague, Jackson, who's the CEO. A bit of a backstory there. Again, you'll kind of see on the next episode, I worked with Jackson at another recruitment agency back in Calgary when I first lived here. Um, So me and Jackson had a close relationship even when I was back in England. He contacted me. We had conversations over kind of the uh, various months to join... The group and join the team and what that would look like. He knew I was looking and planning to come back here and I already had the plan to come back. And we had multiple discussions to join the team. So in short, my role is I run a recruitment team. We're a recruitment agency. We work with completely different industries, different departments of companies, but majority of work we do is for tech. Uh, we work in law, we work in construction, energy, oil and gas, all the different divisions that you can imagine. Super fun role. Uh, My role is obviously complex with regards to what I do and we can always go into more detail either in a different episode or in this one. Um, But very simply, that is what I do. I do recruitment.
1: Yeah. So you obviously started off in a different recruitment agency before. We're not naming names, but um, (laughs) what's different?
0: Um, Great question. So a lot. And I think that's obviously testament, I'll give myself kind of a pat on the back for that, but also Jackson, we when we discussed, first of all, me going into another agency type environment, I knew that I didn't want to be in the environment I was previously. And again, yeah. I don't want to speak about a company in a bad way, because you learn a lot of lessons from those places, but I knew what I valued from a company, and that was flexibility, you know, a good work-life balance, having a positive team around me. I also wanted the processes of how recruitment worked very different. I wanted candidates to be supported just as much as the clients are and making sure that that balance was completely there throughout the process. A lot of candidates get reached out to 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 them by people like ourselves or, or recruiters and think, okay, these people are just here to make commission. And I wanted there to be a lot more of a human connection between that to build up that relationship as you grow um, through the process. And and I think we've done a great job of that, at, at making it a, a difference in the recruitment agency.
1: I would agree. I would have to agree. Yeah,
0: you would. You would. You've done a great job of that too.
1: Thank you um, obviously there's a lot of lessons to learn over careers and what you do in everyday life yep. what do you feel is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career?
0: Well I think there's there's been so many honestly and I think when I look back at it it's honestly never stop learning. And that might be cliche and people like, sure, of course, that's a very typical answer, but I genuinely believe it is. A lot of the roles that I've worked in and when I was in restaurants and ran those types of environment and even when I wanted to go into the police, a lot of it was revolved around. I always knew I had to learn. And I described myself at the beginning of the podcast that I'm street smart. I'm not book smart. I'm not the guy that was the, the educated guy. But I always knew in life I could figure out a way to become great at a role. So whether that was a manager, again, when I was younger, I did everything I could to learn the best lessons. And some of them were hard. You know, sometimes I was managing people that were seven years older than me and I'm a young 17-year-old kid. That's very difficult, you know, to to deal with at a young age. But being able to learn that kind of operationally live while you're in a business, I believe has helped me progress as far as I, as I have at this point. So... Always, never stop learning, and then also the biggest lesson I learned, obviously, for over the mental health type of period, is have that work-life balance. Be confident enough to try and have that separation between your work, go in and give it your all uh, during that time to show up and, and you know arrive on time and give everything um, that you can to the business. But once it you know it hits that end of the day, and that's when that I struggled with the previous agency was it you know once the um, the time hit five o'clock. You couldn't leave at five and managers believed you could, but honestly, they'll, they'll probably hear this and know that that wasn't the truth. There's always more you can give in recruitment. It's a 24-7 business. I could contact candidates day in, day out to find them new roles, but you've got to have that separation to protect your mental health, protect your work-life balance, and be able to completely separate that.
1: Right. And why do you feel that you were drawn to this industry or this profession? Why did you choose it?
0: Yeah, another, another great question. I think part of it chose me, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people in this industry, it, you don't choose to go in recruitment. Not many people go into school and go, cool, I want to study to become a recruiter. You know, Well, that's
1: the difference with me. Yeah, I did my bachelor's of business in human resources and always knew that recruitment was something that I wanted to do. You've said it yourself that I would never last... 30 seconds in a traditional (laughs) recruiting firm and I'm definitely a little bit too bratty to be in one anyways. So, I I mean, like it chose you, but how, like, how do you really feel that it it chose you? Why are you drawn to it?
0: I think well, drawn to it's probably the better word than chose me because, uh, well, it's being a people person, you know, I would definitely describe myself like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, if I refer myself to the guy that goes out to the bar, I'm, almost that same guy as I am in the industry and in the business I can go out to the bar and I can make friends with anyone I can speak to anyone I can you know get into a conversation gift of gab yeah the gift of the gab the English would definitely say but I think that's a great tool that I've learned over the period of all the work that I've done is being able to speak to people understand them have conversation probably just like this it's easy for me to just have conversation talk about things and in that, in that industry, in that business, that's super important because all you do 24 hours a day is you're talking to people. You've got to understand what are they looking for in this industry. Everyone's looking for a job and that next best career, but finding the right one is the hardest tool to develop. Mm-hmm. I think it was developed, first of all, from the restaurant industry. A lot of people from that industry go into recruitment. They've dealt with customers. They've dealt with complaints. They really want to make people happy and find them, whether that's the next best dish or upsell a, a side order. Mm-hmm. It really is transferable into recruitment uh, when you go into that industry. So I think I was definitely drawn to it. But a part part of me thought, you know, that's an industry that I could really see myself excelling by using my people skills and strengths uh, within that industry.
1: For sure, we just spoke about the fact that when you started, you were in England. It's obviously, you know, a bit confusing for people. How are you working at a Canadian company? How did you start doing that? How did you do it during COVID? How did this all happen?
0: Good question. Well compounded there. I can't even remember what you asked, but, um, (laughs) that's how
1: I confuse people to tell me everything I want to know.
0: I know exactly. And then you just (laughs) splurge it out. So that's why I'm being careful. I'm being more political right now. Um, that's, that's a great question because like I said, when I was in in, in England, sorry, I was planning to always come back and I never really had a work plan. I had the confidence that if I came and I returned, I would find a job. I just knew that in my heart that I would find something. It probably would have been in recruitment. Maybe it would have been in a different agency or within an internal company, a big corporation to do an internal recruitment uh, in that sense or human resources. So I was working actually for the UK government out in England during the pandemic. So when I returned, first of all, from Calgary, I returned with the full intention that I would be returning back to Calgary immediately. What happened during the pandemic, which happened for a lot of people is, I essentially got trapped there there was no flights there was zero option for me to even attempt to come back to calgary not even for a visit so that mentally was obviously a struggle but i was so driven to come back here and i can't even describe it really you know i really have to think deep about how that felt but i always knew in my heart that i would make it back here because i was so driven in making sure that came true and it goes back to when i was 21 my number one dream in life was to live in another country full stop that was my dream it didn't matter at the time i didn't know where it would be obviously i lived in australia for a period of time but there was one place in the world that i wanted to call home and eventually that that place was canada so the kind of long-winded answer to your question was it it was hard you know it's difficult being in england i got introduced obviously through jackson and those conversations that we had Um, you know, with me being abroad, I actually started working for the company and building up the business as we started the startup while I was in England for a short period of time. Um, so basically doing kind of consultant contracting work as the business got built up, as the office kind of got launched in Calgary, as you know, you started in the office. I joined, um, I guess it's, well, it's over a year ago now when I returned back to Calgary, my permanent residence all went through. So that was obviously a very long process and, and, and very big struggle, but I, I I got to the finish line.
1: Yeah, so you just said you always wanted to come back to Calgary. You and I are currently sitting here. I'm sitting beside your balcony with a gust of wind of minus 30 behind me. Correct.
0: You can probably hear it in the mic, actually. Yeah, it's windy. It's, <laughs> it's bad.
1: Um, w- Why did you want to come back here? What what about Calgary Really resonates with you why do you want to be here? You could be anywhere in the
0: world I know and honestly today is one of those days. Why am I here? I think I do think that a lot you do think why don't I just be near my family and and people think okay that's unusual you leaving your family and and it really comes down to chasing chasing my dreams like if you take Calgary out of the situation chasing my dream my dream originally was to live in a different country so right. take Calgary out of it it could have just been Canada when I first moved to Canada, I actually lived in Toronto. So when I was there for five or six months, I think I was there at the beginning. I lived there. I then was in Invermere after that for about another six or seven months. I think I was there through summer and then just a little bit into winter. And then I ended up moving to Calgary. So it wasn't necessary that Calgary was the one that I was aiming for specifically. I almost landed here to a certain extent.
1: It shows you again.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it kind of, Obviously, that came through friendship groups and people enticing me to this way. From from guys that I'd lived with in Australia, were actually from Invermere, so they enticed. Obviously, the the Calgary place was was the spot to be. But honestly, I remember when I first landed in Calgary. So that was six years ago now. I think five or six years. I landed. I was on my own. I was flying from Toronto into Calgary. I landed, and I remember seeing the huge kind of escalators to go down. And at the bottom of the escalator is a Fucking cowboy. <laughs> a cowboy with a white cowboy hat on, kind of waving me down, saying, Can I? I
1: want to go.
0: Home. Yeah, literally. But he was like, Can I take your bags? And I was like, Fuck no. No, you. Can't. I didn't have a clue. I didn't know who he was. I thought he was a random dude, but clearly they work in the airport, oh, assisting yeah. people. Sweet this,
1: angels, they're such nice. They
0: people. they turn out that they are. They, they was a very nice be- bearded man. That's where you learn to
1: trust bearded men and cowboys. Yeah, nuts. exactly. You had like, no idea how many you'd encounter.
0: Yeah, that's a safe space around the cowboys. Um, but I, I got yeah, I got to this escalator. The second thing that's above my head, I don't even know if it's there anymore. But it was like dinosaur wooden dinosaur bones. Are they real bones? I don't know. But that was also above my head. It's
1: randomly still there. Honestly, the Calgary airport is creepy.
0: It is a weird one, but I kind of like it because it's quiet. Like you can go there and there's like no one there.
1: Yeah, but there's a lot of interesting things. It's it's ominous.
0: <laughs> Let's not get into that one. We'll, okay. Di- okay. we'll digress okay. there. But But I did, yeah, I did kind of land here. And then again, my friend picked me up. I got through that. I got through the airport and then I'm driving towards the city. And my friend goes, look at that over there. That's Calgary. And I was like, what the fuck? It looks like a Lego building. Like, it was so small. And just due to the life I'd lived in England, like I'd lived in cities in England as well. Like, it's hugely populated. Everything's, like, built up from the ground. Calgary's a small city, and everyone does know everyone. But as my first kind of impression, that was crazy to see that. Um,
1: It's a big city, but a small town. It's crazy. You can talk to someone for 10 minutes and figure out that they know your cousin your brother your sister like your best friend from when you were two years old and it's interesting that you come into a place like that where everyone is is quite intertwined and I feel like you've really made it your own
0: yeah I think and, and again back to your question kind of why Calgary the more I got integrated into Calgary it is very homely like as far as cities goes it is a homely place you got to remember as well you've got the mountains that are so close Mm -hmm. i always say do you ever go (laughs) yes i am an avid skier so if anyone's last
1: year your first skiing attempt
0: okay yes (laughs) correct and i did post tiktoks that i am proud of i was at Dan (laughs) dan
1: palmer's
0: correct correct check that out but yeah, I'm an avid skier for sure. But the mountains are super close. You've obviously got the city, super homely. Like you can kind of go out anywhere. And, and I feel like I've grown up here. And that mm-hmm. was a nice feeling yeah. when you've not been, you know, you're in a completely new country. You don't know anyone. and you just feels like home. Yeah, and it feels like home. So, so yeah, lo- love Calgary in that yeah. aspect.
1: So, obviously, you, you mentioned the policing. Um, you also mentioned like other jobs that you've done before this what did you want to be when you were younger? And also after that, how did you end up in policing?
0: Yes. So not a lot of people know. So when I was younger and when I say younger, I'm talking five years old, I wanted to be in the police. It was my dream. I just was always drawn to it. I was drawn to it by helping people. I don't know if it was authority, maybe even because I didn't have that dad figure that probably felt like excuse me, me taking that place, right? right?
1: You're working with a group of powerful men. Yeah,
0: group. Yeah, exactly. Or women.
1: Yeah, men. yeah, men. yeah
0: be careful. You'll get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that so that was part of the attraction, but I always wanted to go into it. I've always had like an invest... How do you say that? Investigative? Investigate? Like, an, I would investigate in my mind, <laughs> let's just say, however you call that. But I would Investigative. think... Investigative. Exactly. That's Investigative. what you're here for. But that, that's how I would think. So... The way they operated and how they would always investigate these kind of operations and serious crimes, I was so invested into that type of work and I just thought it was so interesting. Obviously now when you grow up you see the seriousness of, of the stuff that goes on in the world, you kind of a bit oblivious when you want to go into it as young, so... Did that in school, I did what's called public services, um, which basically is fire, ambulance and police. It's a very broad course. And then you eventually choose the course you want to do, which I took the policing route. And through that, you get an opportunity to like work with the police. So you go out live, you go on live calls. You go to custody, you see what it's like to intake prisoners. I remember I was 17, went to the shit myself, like these huge, huge men that have been arrested and like one would jump towards me like they were going to beat the shit out of me. Terrifying, but I still wanted to do it. And I, I went down that route. I also became, in England, they call it like a police cadet. Sounds very cheesy, but you get selected by what would be a province in Canada, but there would be like your county. And they select you to essentially go on an additional course that is a community course where you serve for the police. So there was great opportunities there. It was always something I, I loved to do. Um, and it was, it was kind of unfortunate it didn't work out. To be honest, at the time when I turned 18 and I started to kind of full time think about it. First of all, is a conflict of interest because I ran restaurants at the time. So for example, if the fight went off in a bar and you're a serving police officer, you're in a conflict of interest of do you get involved yet you're working behind the bar, let's just say. So that, that was a struggle that the police couldn't get through with people having different jobs. Uh, it's now a little bit different. Um, the other thing was the UK government at that time majorly cut costings of the police. So I can't even remember what it was. I think it was like £16,000 at the time to start in the police. In equivalent, that would be, God, maybe 20000 Canadian dollars. So think about this. Someone's asking you to put your body on the line to go out in the police force to protect the community, potentially get stabbed. There's a lot of stabbings in England and you're getting paid $20,000 Canadian dollars to do that. Would you do that? And that was a big decision that I had to have. And what my mindset was is I can always pick up policing. You never have to be a certain age. And the other part to that is I was 17 years old. That's how old you, you need to be to go in the police. And I just hadn't experienced life a lot. So I kind of made the decision to pursue what I was doing in restaurants. And I always believed that I could pick it up anytime. Even if I, you know, made a decision to to U-turn into that, I can, I can always go back into it. Yeah.
1: And here you are.
0: Here I am. Here you are. Just officer Dan living the dream
1: um i'm really excited to get into this next part
0: is it dating it's dating oh god
1: it's dating
0: this is I, mean, I think i mean you know i've been dreading this part from all the anonymous messages that have come in
1: it's crazy i'm like there's pages there's pages and pages and people the people want to know
0: they do they do
1: so i'm not gonna ask you if i'm gonna ask you why are you single
0: Oh dear. That's a difficult question because I feel like probably other people would answer that better. (laughs) And they'd say, well, I think it's this, but
1: I'm waiting for the right person.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to give you that. I think honest, my honest, honest answer being as vulnerable as possible. I think a lot of it's to do with me. I think, you know, I've been through relationships and you learn a lot throughout those relationships and I'm probably just not ready, like where I'm at in my life. I've got a lot going on with work. I've taken on a podcast. I've got my dog. There's a lot of of things that are within that. Obviously, you can fit someone that would be the right person within that. But it's also about meeting that right person. So I wouldn't say I'm the type of person that invests a lot of time into trying to find a person. I think you know you can have a lot of people that go cool i need a girlfriend i really want one especially when it comes to winter i was making a joke with one of my friends i'm not going to mention him on here but he was talking about you know it's cuffing season it's funny how the texts start to increase of hey do you want to meet up and i'm like why it's minus fucking 28 right now why do you want to meet up right now um but yeah back back to kind I of need
1: what the warmth of a of a body
0: exactly i have my puppy <laughs> it's all your worth exactly <laughs> But yeah, I do, you know, I think it it largely I can I can point it towards myself. Um I think over time I've probably lacked commitment a little bit, lacked a little bit of trust through the relationships that I've gone through. Um but I've got a lot to give. Like when you, you do find that right person and 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 you're out there and you kind of you, you go dating again, you you know, you will find that right person eventually.
1: Are you jaded?
0: No. I am not jaded. Um I'm actually glad you asked that because I'd hate for that to almost come across to anyone, not even on this podcast, but to anyone, especially if you went on a new date, right, coming across as that jaded person. You hate sitting across the room, right, that that's that jaded person that's had a bad experience. I don't really see my experiences necessarily as bad. Like I said, they've definitely been learning lessons. I almost put it onto myself. You learn a lot about yourself. So I wouldn't say jaded at all. You know, I've, started to really think about how to trust people again and kind of build that that up but uh, not jaded no
1: talking about trust do you tend to trust people
0: um no is the blunt honest answer that's as direct as i could be mm-hmm. no i don't and that has been developed um over time you know i've been through experiences in relationships or dating and We live in a difficult time in dating, Mm -hmm. right? It's a very, there's a lot of options out there and which is great. It can be a great thing that there's a lot of options, um, but also, you know, it becomes a competitive environment. You're always competing. And what does that other person look for? It's like matchmaking. It's like what we do at work. You know, you're trying to find the right fit for not only yourself, but someone else. But I do find it hard to trust, you know, and, and that's obviously from past experience. So You know, you could call it jaded. I don't think it is. I think it's purely just from past experience. A lot of people self-reflect and then they try and protect themselves. Um, So that could be a natural uh, mechanism.
1: Do you think that online dating for you has changed the way you perceive dating or relationships? Like, what are your thoughts on online dating?
0: Yeah, so I think it refers back to what I said. I think online dating has made everything so accessible. Mm -hmm. So... If you think back, dating was you had to physically go up to a girl in a bar, Mm -hmm. Like you had to be that gentleman, that old school, hey, can I get your number? I'd love to meet you, take you out for a drink. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, when was the last time you obviously you're in a relationship, but the last time that a guy actually came up to you and said, hey, and initiated a conversation, I just I, I haven't even seen it you know and it probably takes a couple of beers for people to even have the courage to do that because you most likely will get rejected or girls now are like oh that's weird but i think online dating in general is is providing so many options for people and not just girls this is guys as well that they can always get better so if they go on a date and i do it as well like if i've gone on dates i'll compare people this sounds really bad but i'll compare people to and i'm trying to kind of combine them all to make the perfect person for example You can go on a date and you can say, I love her career. She's got it all the shit together. And then you can meet another person, but you'd be like, well, I loved her personality. And then the third person you meet, you prefer her looks. You're trying to combine those all together. And because there's so much choice, you always think it's a never-ending battle. Now, if you use online dating apps, which I don't, you know why, um, then it's a never-ending scroll. like You can just scroll, swipe, swipe, swipe. And so accessible it, will never end it is right. literally a never-ending app for the likes of like tinder it's an amazing business for them because it literally is never-ending you can swipe through ten thousand people which could take you a year and you're always going to have options if one doesn't work out you go straight back on the app and try that if you end a relationship and this has happened to me a lot they jump straight back on the dating apps as soon as that relationship is over go go on the dating apps and then you've got options again that didn't used to happen. So the dating scenes changed a lot. I think people that would honestly, a lot of people I don't think say this are like, no, it's good. Like you can meet loads of people, chicks. And you kind of have that uh, mentality in all seriousness. I don't, I don't think it's fun as, as people make out.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many success stories of people that have, you know, met on online apps and had great relationships, but there's also those ones being like, well, they're talking to 10 other people.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've don't get me wrong, I've had positive experiences. And I have admittedly, like, I've met people from an app. Like, yeah. I've gone on blind dates, I've met people, and I've enjoyed it. I think it's awesome. Like, most of the dates that I'd gone on, I, it's a dinner. Like, people, I think girls hate that because they're like, I can't escape. But I think it's great. Like, you can chat to each other, you have some drink, you have some food but it is a blind date you're meeting someone you don't know you don't Mm -hmm. know if it's going to work out you both are putting yourself in a vulnerable space and you're just judging people most likely off looks or you've messaged them a bit before and you're going to see what happens sometimes shit doesn't work out but sometimes it does i've I've got friends that have married and even have kids that have literally met on tiktok yes so um you know yeah shout out to, to to you guys um but that 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 happens and if it works for you it works for you you know it's it's not the root I would love it to be a little bit more old school and I do feel like I you know I meet people when I'm out and, and hopefully it would it will be a little bit more natural
1: yeah in terms of your past relationships what do you think that you've learned about yourself
0: I think a lot so much over obviously the the, the relationships I've had I think I definitely learned that I feel deeply so I don't know, even know how to describe this. It's quite difficult to talk about, I guess. But I've when I've got in a relationship, I'm very serious. Like I wouldn't get in a relationship for the sake of it. And that may be my downfall. Like I know a lot of people like, just get with them and see, see if it works out. Do you think out. you're
1: like too intense?
0: Probably, probably to some people. Like probably people will see that as like, oh, whoa, he's a bit too much. Like he wants to get in a relationship. But I am nearly 30, right? You do think about, like obviously there's people that I would give a chance to. But I also think about the bigger things. And it, this is maybe a negative thing from the past. I'm like, why should I give it a chance if it's going to end in the same result when I'm this age? So you, right. you may be looking for that perfect person. Again, that could be my downfall. But I think feeling deeply, um, you know, I've always been loyal. I learned that. And I think that's obviously a massive positive. Always been loyal, always to the end and almost to a fault. It's probably turned out to be a bad thing um, a lot of the time or, or I've not been aware. And I'm definitely not perfect. I, I've I've learned that throughout the time. It it definitely takes kind of two to tango, and and you learn that. And some people have a better compromise system to to work together as a as a relationship. And um, maybe I'm just a fucking nightmare. But I think uh, I'll figure that one out myself. You just
1: <laughs> talked about loyalty. Let's talk about cheating.
0: Ah, <laughs> have <laughs> okay. you ever cheated? On I a have. Company? I have not. I have not. No. So super confident. Um, obviously I can't prove this but i'm positive it's happened to me multiple times
1: aren't we I, all yeah
0: i i honestly yes i think so and yeah. and you know it it's comes one of
1: those things no one no one will admit it no i don't you can you can tell
0: i don't think they will i don't think they will and you know there are people that cheat yeah. I, and i think i just I, I honestly think this comes back to my dad like Mm. running away that's to me that was cheating right right so that's like a a deep ingrained and this is where the loyalty also comes from so if you think back of how you kind of develop your life when you grow up if you've got a dad that ran away that to me was cheating and had an affair whatever you want to look at it you cheated if i go down that same path guess where i'll end up most likely you'll have a fucking kid and then you i'll run away i that was nothing that i wanted you want the complete opposite so I, i feel like that's a you know a big learning lesson from my younger days that again, you subconsciously learn. I will never cheat. You don't want to end up like that little fuck. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't want to end up like my dad. And and I think that's a a huge positive. And I think people, when they meet me, especially girls, they will see that I've got a completely sensitive side of, of, of that's not the way you rock and roll. So.
1: Right. And like uh, people that do cheat, do you think that anyone can do it? Or do you think that it, do you think people can cheat once and never do it again, or do you just think cheaters are cheaters? I have a oh. very strong opinion about this. Well, I
0: want to know your. I want to know yours, and okay. I'll tell you mine first, just so I'm not like persuaded by kind yeah. of what you give to the answer. But I've known people that have cheated and they've never done it again, and it was lit. It was some people call it, it was a test. They needed to cheat to test or whatever they say, right? And then they never cheat again. Now I've also met people that typically are cheaters and they continuously do it and it's almost they enjoy that right it's like the game part of it inherently ingrained yeah yeah it's ingrained and it it seems normal to them right um, almost but obviously cheating is not right I think you can and it's situational I think you can forgive people some people I know honestly are still in relationships and been in for a long time that got cheated on and they could completely forgive the person and they understood why and and that's for them if it works for them i i don't see why you can't for me i think i'd find it very difficult it will it, refer back to the trust aspect as soon as you show something that isn't trust and, and i kind of view cheating in different ways it's not just always the physical right it's, right you know There's it's emotional the emotion yeah the emotional side you can go on apps or you go and speak to an ex and i've had people that have done it out of anger one of, a girlfriend I actually was with, this was a previous girlfriend, she, we were together at the time, and she said to me, she actually said, I want to sleep with someone else. She actually full on told me this. Really? Yeah. Legit. How old are you? 24. Honestly, I don't know. 24? Interesting. Yeah. She said. She straight up. I
1: want to sleep with someone else.
0: Like, pretty much straight up. We were, I remember it. We were lying in bed, and I was shocked and obviously as a guy you're like what the fifth the first thing oh you're yeah like, you're like what? yeah you're like why do you feel like that like you're, you're thinking all these things and she was just like i think i just need to kind of get that spot back she kind of fed a load of bullshit and it turns out she didn't sleep with she didn't sleep with someone but she wanted a reaction I, again i don't know what the motivation was but she wanted a reaction out of that and to me in that moment i actually considered it cheating and from that point honestly you can imagine the relationship went downhill for and i was sure. just like if if you, your head space is in that place to even say that to someone i could never do that even for a reaction or if you're angry or you're pissed off whatever it may have been and it came out of nowhere and and you know reacting to that was very difficult and i honestly felt like i dealt with it in a pretty good way i was kind of like why like can you explain why why do you feel that way but yeah i'm obviously digressing but that just came, yeah. came to my mind. There,
1: i mean um Back to this, whether it is cheating or not, do you believe in giving exes second chances or just people? Like, what are your thoughts?
0: Uh, well, exes, like exes. Do you believe in my exes? exes? What do you mean? Sorry, say that again.
1: Yeah. Do you believe in giving exes second chances?
0: Like exes in general, or my exes? Yours. Okay. Wow. Um, it's so difficult because like this may sound weird, but I love my exes and that sounds weird, but I've got a few exes, right? And I'm not going to name their names and I'm not going to talk about why I love them, but I love them as in they were a part of my life. And I think this is the only mature way to think about this. And I've developed this more as I got older, as I was younger, I was kind of like, fuck you, you're my ex, you're done. And, and there is an aspect of that, you know, that a lot of them are not in my life. Some of them are in, are in my life in, in you know, the friend aspect, um, but I don't know. It's a difficult one. I'm. Uh, my answer is I'm not in a place where I would ever consider going back to an ex, right. if that's part of the question. The other part of the question is, would I consider going back to an ex? It's completely situational. Right. Because it depends on how did that end? Does the other person have emotion? Is there still feeling there? Would that be something that you can even salvage? So it's a difficult... That's a, Whoever's put that in is obviously... It's a very difficult and complex answer to answer. I hope that kind of gives people... A bit of understanding, um, but yeah, a a difficult one.
1: So the next question here, we kind of talked about this because we have two different understandings. (laughs) Yeah. It says, how would you describe your first crush? And we talked about this. Gorgeous. (laughs) But when I think about a crush, I'm thinking about I'm in grade seven. I'm on the playground and I see a share. Creepy. Okay, well, we are both in grade seven. To clarify. Creepy
0: Brianna will <laughs> lurk in the playground for a first boyfriend.
1: Um, you know, I think about that as my first crush. Mm-hmm. But yours is different.
0: Yeah, I mean, we discussed we it discussed a separate time uh, prior to this podcast. We were talking about crushes. And obviously, we saw this question come in. Yeah, I mentioned like my first crush. I was saying oh, it was my like first kind of proper girlfriend. She was my first crush. I was with her kind of three years. Um, and, th- and that obviously ended. But you said to me... Well, wasn't that
1: your first love?
0: Kind of, yeah. But I see that as a crush. But what you said to me was, what the fuck? Did you not fancy anyone or have a crush with anyone when you were like five? And I'm like, fucking hell. Like, you were on the market at five? (laughs) And then I I think back and I was like, okay, yeah. Probably did. Like, I was in school and I was like, oh, they're beautiful. And yeah, and like... I just
1: think of crushes as not being in love. It's almost something that you're like, I'm interested i have a little like giddy feeling but it's almost something that oh all may- of them
0: all of them yeah. but where do i start no but you the, fall was, in love so easily oh come on oh, don't give the on. don't give the people that. that maybe that's true but it was my first crush was my teacher um <laughs> legit so okay, you're
1: calling me creepy
0: no legit they, it was my teacher and again we talked about this but i'm sure it was like year six i don't know if like it's the same in in canada but she was teacher, short blonde hair. She was, for some reason, the sunshine of the world. And every class, that was one of the classes I would go into and just be like, she is just she gorgeous, Aww, beautiful. And I would get very sweet. nervous in that class. Um, but that probably was my first crush. But of course you have like the school kids that, that you're in the classes with and you get giddy and you get nervous around, but can't remember them. They, weren't, okay. they obviously well, weren't that important.
1: Anyways, first crush, first love. Let me ask you. Tell me about your first heartbreak.
0: First heartbreak. Fuck! Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, he's um, crying. Yeah, he's just crying his eyes out, aren't right they? Um. So, honestly, I actually will take responsibility. i caused my own first heartbreak what i know i know okay no you gotta hear the story you gotta hear hear me out first okay okay so i didn't they caused it at the time but now i actually cause so (laughs) like i said it was this girl met in school i won't mention here great girl honestly great have nothing bad to say about this girl she was perfect in every way and i think god I, i don't even know maybe it was like i think it was like 15 to 18 maybe i got and maybe it was even younger than that and we were together i was kind of working you figuring yourself out and bear in mind this was my peak panic attack anxiety time okay. so that was a massive Im- impact into it but we were great like i said i was so close to this family and that's the closest i've probably ever been to a family an ex's family just family dinners would always be round i could go round to the house even if she wasn't there we were young so maybe that had something to do with it but it started to get difficult. She basically became a model. She's still a very, very successful model. Props to her. Um, she's got a kid on the way, I believe. So uh, amazing. She was an amazing part of my life. And I'm so happy for her. But during that period, she started modeling. She went to Australia, I remember, for the first time. And honestly, I think it was six weeks she went for, uh, to Australia. It felt to me like six months when you're in that infatuation. and You're a small kid oh, with yeah. a tiny pea brain you think, oh my God, I'm never going to see this girl. I really struggled. And probably it was like a a latch and attachment issue with having the kind of mental side effects of of the things I was going through. And then my girlfriend at the time wasn't there. So it started to get really difficult. I remember like hating work at the time. I couldn't handle um, the stress of my anxiety and it all impacted. And essentially I kind of almost burst out and was like, don't want to be with you anymore after that period. And that's why I blame it to be my heartache and pretty much it felt like the next day was it two days a week i don't know it felt like the next day she at this time unfortunately moved on with one of my best friends brother now they may listen to this i have completely no hard feelings towards you guys obviously it felt hurtful at the time and you're young and, and you go through these phases these guys are so happy. So they're in having love. a child together. They're having a child together and so happy. I'm still friends with the family. I still class them as close friends, but, and that's why I refer it back to me. I was the one really that let her go and I pushed her away because of the mental health situation yeah. because of the work I was doing because of, you know, her really trying to progress in modeling, which she was doing well and traveling a lot and I couldn't deal with it, but that, that was a, a very difficult time.
1: Yeah. That's definitely tough, but nice to see that at least it was it was worth it and that they're still together and happy and having a child now, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think you can't, you know, people may listen to this and think, oh, you're bitter about this, you do this. And I'm just talking about my experience. It doesn't mean it was their experience. This is purely my story. Yeah. And I am genuinely for all of my exes, I'm happy. If they're happy what else can you expect from life? It didn't work out between us, Yeah. and there was a reason for that. And and my journey, my life, is to obviously find the next person and and hope that it does work out.
1: Would you ever get back together with an ex? D- if you not asked this, didn't I?
0: Maybe. Um. No, I would did not. Did I? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. I'm pretty sure you asked. I'm really trying
1: t- to drive it home. Allegedly. I know.
0: I know. Apparently. I know.
1: I'm like, tell me.
0: I know. You're trying to. You're trying to give me. Okay.
1: Well. um, Okay. Well. Let's move on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, Tell me, what is your type?
0: You know what's funny? I you're smirking at me right now. We fight. We fight about this. Well, I don't. I don't even think it's just us. Like, honestly, everyone I'm friends with fights with me about this because they believe. Hold. Hold up. They believe they know my type more than I do, and that could be true could be true and i'm starting to think about i think i think people are starting to like convince me that that's true now i actually like wrote down a little bit here because i knew it was coming and this is what i this is kind of what came out in first so i'm gonna like spurt this out and then you can kind of talk to me and this is me not trying to say what my first thoughts would be in my head so someone who's funny they have to be funny i think i'm like quite funny i've like got quite a a sarcasm Sure you do. Yes, I know. <laughs> Again, you're smirking at me like that, that is not true. But I th- I think I'm funny. So I need okay. them to think I'm funny too. Um, so be funny, you know, and confidence. So that's super key. Again, my extrovert or the mask that I put on when I'm out, I'm quite intense, some people would seem. So I want that confidence. I th- think I, I probably could be with someone that's not as confident and maybe that would balance. Nice balance. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think having two kind of, I don't know if you would call it like power couple, but that confidence in the room would probably excel me a little bit more and br- bring bring me out my shell in times when I'm introverted or, you know, go into my shell. So I've
1: never seen you introverted. Yeah,
0: I know, but no one has. But, Except
1: when you're mad at me at
0: work. Okay, yeah, and I'm like <laughs> closed off. I won't speak to anyone.
1: You won't even look um, at me in the eye.
0: But that's that. I got five foot four. So if you're not, then you are screwed. Um, no, I had I had a high issue for a long time. Like, <laughs> people, Is it because you're a short king? You fucking shithead. <laughs> Honestly, I wish I could edit this bit out, but just for your pure enjoyment. <laughs> Are, okay, gonna... so <laughs> what's your height? Six foot. Okay, yes. I, I'm, before anyone says anything, I am not a six foot guy trying to convince everyone I'm six foot and I'm five ten. I am legit six foot. It's proven the government. I had to get my driving license redone. They measured me. It's official. It's on my I doctor. went on my tippy toes. <laughs> oh this is brutal you see this how this went into what's your type and it's now like you're almost telling people what i am and and i'm clearly not people's type but yes i am i am six foot so let's just completely clarify that okay nothing so more, you nothing want less.
1: someone that's five four that seems a okay so crazy. no because
0: someone may list yeah it is what and if a five eight exactly beautiful
1: woman came exactly
0: to so and that's the hard part like when people ask you type i don't think you can have a type but people hate the answer i don't have a type so I'm trying to give a little bit of context. I would probably have more preference for someone that's smaller. If I'm six foot, five foot four, I've had a lot of exes that honestly, my last three exes, I'm pretty sure they were all five foot four. Yeah. So yeah. weird. So maybe I'm just used to that. Well, but if,
1: you, if, if the girl puts the heels on, you're...
0: Yeah, exactly. You're out of the game. But when they've not got the heels on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... If they were taller, if someone was taller, and I've dated taller people before, or gone on dates with them, I'm not (laughs) like, nope, sorry, you're out, you're out the running. I think it's, it's pretty hard to find a five foot four person, but that seems to come to mind. Now, I know you're going to absolutely ruin me for what I'm about to say, but I don't have a hair preference. It's a lie. (laughs) It's a lie. It's a lie. So, it's a lie. Not only you, but I know all of my friends, guy friends we're talking about, are like, no, Dan, you're... Blondes, it's got to be blonde, blondes, but I have dated both and I don't want the brunettes out there to feel you like... You
1: dated blondes that go brunette for a week and then say, oh my God, why did I do that? And then they go back blonde.
0: Okay. Well, look at it this way. If a brunette is listening to this and it's like, oh... You're not out of the running. <laughs> Basically, you've got it. Um, yeah. Like I don't... Because hair color to me, like I said, without going all deep and you got to be this amazing person... It is just hair color. Yes, I'm probably more initially attracted to blondes because they stand out in a bar more, and I'm like, "Oh wow, look at that person walking." I probably notice them more. But I've spoken to brunettes before that, comp- like their personalities completely outshine a blonde. But in short, most shout likely, shout out, child, brunettes. Yeah, mo- most likely it's gonna be a blonde. However, brunettes, I got you. What else have I got? I'm a Capricorn. So same. Oh God. Welcome to the this this room. If you're in this room, what right do you now,
1: like? Do you care about signs and no, astrology do, no, and all that stuff?
0: No, I've been with someone that did honestly was kind of too into it, and we would have like an argument,
1: and she'd be like, "It's because you're a Capricorn."
0: Exactly, and they would be like, "I, I just read what even is it astrology?" What they'd be like, "I actually just read something about that last week, and it said you were gonna be a bit pissed off today." <laughs> I'm like, "No, you pissed me off because you didn't put the laundry away. Like whatever it was." Um, but they, they're too into it. I'm not, but I just think that just obviously-
1: shows your Capricorn pissed off. Cause you didn't put the laundry. Like, I know. Shout out to Mike Kelly. I'm sorry.
0: I know. <laughs> I know. But you've got like, I think you do have characteristics of obviously kind of when you're born and I'm kind of work driven. I'm very much like, we've got to get things done, tick it off the list and, and, and driven in that way. So I think you need to match that energy to a certain extent or again you maybe need to be the opposite so that you can kind of handle that i'm that but the whole household isn't that so
1: first thought when a girl comes to you and says what time were you born
0: oh fucking <laughs> hell it's <laughs> happened it's honestly happened run I, like yeah literally run like oh what did even what did he even want out of that apart from going on google and going on that stupid app that people go on me. saying he was born at 8 a.m and like what does it look like i just don't I think, think
1: it comes with like um, there's a lot of different moons, there's a lot of different suns.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of dating options in the world refer back to that and they're like, maybe this will eliminate who this real person is. I
1: know. Sometimes, I remember someone once told me, they were like, you um, come off as a Leo. And I was like, is that a bad thing? And they were like, well, it's not a good thing. I was like, okay, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I think also like the other thing that I guess is is my type is I've typically spent a lot of time with a girlfriend. And to me, honestly, it's probably been a bad thing. Like I'll spend too much time with them and, it's and then too you hate mu- them. Not that I hate them. It's almost like you get attached to it. Like honestly, you probably just get attached to it. So like it's attractive obviously when they have their own lifestyle and it completely kind of meshes into yours, but they're okay going out with their friends. You can also bring their friends together. Like major red flag, if you can't bring the th- friends together like their friendship group and your friendship group, it's pretty difficult to have a relationship. Been in those situations too. Typically, I've always, you know, been in the same friendship groups and got along fine and easily got along with with friends. But sometimes that can be difficult.
1: Yeah, let's talk about red flags.
0: Oh god, oh, where do I even start? Honestly, one thing is if they post on Instagram only pictures of themselves that's like my biggest red flag it sounds ridiculous it doesn't sound But if ridiculous. they don't post anything like even if it's like them and the girls or them and the family so if it's like literally it's just them people are going to look at my instagram right now and be like isn't it just you Dan? Yeah. like it's just yeah. you no my dog is there and i've got friend pictures and me in the mountains but sometimes it's like it's exactly it's i'm going it's for a the facade. Well, the well yeah it's a facade. that's that's my mask right it's the well-rounded look um no, but a lot of, oh, I wouldn't say a lot, that's a lie. Um, some girls have purely just posted them, and, and I don't know if it's an insecurity image. Sometimes I've been with people that it has been. Um, so I think that's a major, major red flags. Again, friends, like friendship groups, if you can't hang around with the same friendship groups, that can be very difficult. Um, just you know meshing um, family dynamics you know I think some people may find that difficult I have a different family dynamic right first of all I have no family here in the country so some people could say you know you're getting involved with someone that this it's just him and sometimes I do look at that as as maybe that's a red flag for other people talking
1: about you know your type again do you feel that you're more drawn to people that have close families um, because you know you want to be a part of that
0: i wouldn't say i i honestly i don't really think about it but probably again so, so yeah just you probably are you know what's weird though like i tend to not ask that much like say if i was on a date obviously you ask the typical family stuff but i don't ask that much about it right i kind of more of like if you went to their family home you've I kind of like to Ask them about it. Like you integrate, you meet the sisters or, or whatever it is. But maybe, maybe I do. Or maybe I don't. Not sure.
1: Um, what's the most romantic thing you've ever done for a girlfriend?
0: Oh, God. <laughs> who asked? I would love to know who asked these. That's me. Like.
1: I'm I'm going off the cuff, obviously. No,
0: I know. But, oh, that was you question. <laughs> oh, my God. What's the most romantic thing? Oh, Trying to
1: get you a date.
0: i know i know you're trying to hype me back up after the the stuff i've just said i think i mean it's different like it's always been spontaneous like i've got like a i bought this it's like a i guess a char you can get like a coin and you scrub it off and it's got like i think it was like called 100 dates and at the time it was this massive thing and you literally scrub one off each day and it'd be like go to a bowling alley go to the mountains go ice skating so that was that was a really cool thing um it's always been like spontaneous. Sometimes it's been gifts or traveling or a lot of times it's been like, for example, a lot of people will know around here, but like, for example, the Kanan- Kananaskis Spa, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what that place is. A lot of people go as a couple. Be spontaneous that like you come up with those kind of ideas and go, cool, pack your bags. Like, I need you to pack this. And then you just drive. And then and then you end up at the bar, spa. That's, I said bar. <laughs> you probably will end up That's at the bar. That's where you want to be. Yeah. Um, but those, those kind of things, you know, you, you're pretty standard um, romance thing, but pretty, pretty romantic. I mean, yeah. my, my apartment's co- covered in petals right now, waiting for the one. <laughs> I'm joking.
1: It's just us here. Um, how do you feel about someone who's still, like, close with their ex if you're in a relationship with them? I think it's weird.
0: Um, Like, if so if my girlfriend was closer to her ex? yeah. Yeah it's it's tough. Again, I've 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 experienced that. Um So yeah, it's tough because you you may trust your girlfriend, for example, but you may not be able to trust the guy because you don't know them. Right. You don't necessarily have any reason not to, but there's been a sexual relationship or a physical relationship there. So it's difficult to place trust in either person of why you even have in this conversation. Again, I've been in a relationship where they would contact their ex and it was pretty, you can say like fair enough or it would seem fair enough, but you're always going to be thinking why, why, mm. w- why do you need to contact them? So right. I think it's difficult. Again, it's very situational, depends on the dynamic of your relationships, depend on the the, the relationship you have with that other person that's involved as well, but some people can manage it, some people can't.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's this show on Disney Plus called Tell Me Lies, and it is the most traumatizing thing that gives you an aspect of looking at like people that are still friends with their ex, but also like going back to their ex and being cool with it. Honestly, if you've ever been through anything like that, that show is very traumatic to watch. But it's so good.
0: I don't think I've seen where where where's that being shown? Disney Plus. Disney Plus Disney Plus is getting weird. Well, no, because
1: they have Hulu shows on there.
0: Oh, okay. And they also
1: have National Geographic. I would argue... I just think
0: of like, is it Mulan? Mulan? (laughs) I love that movie.
1: So good. But I would also argue that it is turning out to be one of the better streaming services out here. You heard it first.
0: It is. It is. I'm starting... I, I feel like I go through phases. Like I was always Netflix and then i'm i'm probably more disney uh, even prime now like i've been going more into prime but the hit and miss like i honestly juggle between the two yeah uh like mainly disney and netflix honestly at the moment like netflix i think have just got bigger power like they pump out a lot of shit like, oh, there's yeah. so much shit on there so much but there's the odd you know there's the, a good thing that comes up and everyone's talking about it like you can it, they can you know what was that one about cats like with don't fuck with cats yeah and Honestly, everyone saw that, that. Was traumatizing it was like it was fucked up but everyone saw it it was like released and you go into work the next day and everyone's like did you watch that fucking weird show and i feel like netflix is like that sometimes i'll talk about shows like you just did and i'm like i've never heard of it like well
1: i will say the jeffrey Dahmer one had me my head spinning for a while to the point that i was in toronto a couple weekends ago and Just my awkward tendencies of sparking conversation. I just, I was trying to like give shots away because I was just like, I'm not doing these anymore. I'm about to fall over. And I tried to give someone a shot and had to explain to them that I wasn't going to Jeffrey Dahmer them. And if that didn't scare them enough, I (laughs) went into great detail about it. So it's best just to not watch shows.
0: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) yeah that was a weird i I know a lot of people online they were talking about kind of people angry because they felt like they were glorifying him like they're doing these shows yes but also obviously it is entertainment right people are what like there's millions of people watching the show to find out it's true story right of what the story but there is a you know a a balance of you know it's a controversial conversation of are you just glorifying someone who's murdered whatever 26 people or, or, or or what it was so I know, I'm sure someone honestly sent in a question about this and I, I actually opted that I couldn't speak about it. They said kind of this or Jeffrey Dahmer and I was like, ooh, I'm not picking. I would definitely
1: favorite. suggest not to talk about it in public if if you want to be anything yeah, like me. I'll just talk anyway, about I my, digress. my life. But. Yes. Um. Okay, we're going to move in. Do you feel like you got enough off your chest about dating?
0: No, I need to tell you something. No, I'm joking. Tell um, me. No, honestly, I, uh, yeah, I feel like... Yeah. There's always, there's always so much you can learn, right? Obviously there's so much depth to dating the relationships I've had and people are probably going to listen to this and say, we want more. We want it to be more juicy. We want more. And I'm open to speaking about anything. I really am. Obviously we can talk for hours and go into depth of each one. How did the end? How did he start? What happened? Um, and again, I'm open to that discussion, but I think, you know, I've, sh- I've shared a lot here. I hope people feel like I've been honest and, and, and this, remember, this is my story um, from my side. So do so, you yeah,
1: think c- I, I should have asked some more juicy questions?
0: Honestly, people may listen and be like, yeah, fucking put him on the spot. But, you know, I've I've shared the answers truthfully and, and hopefully people have got a little bit of insight on, on that side. And like I said, there's going to be many more episodes where I've got different guests on that I might be able to talk about stories where I can relate about things that that I've gone through in previous experiences and, and, you know, people can learn from it as I have done.
1: Awesome. Well, the next kind of segment, as I said, it's it's very kind of general questions that came in. Honestly, a lot of them will piggyback on everything we've talked about this whole thing. Um, I did want to start it off kind of back with the parent thing and back with like Mm -hmm. families. What do you want in life?
0: What do I want?
1: In terms of like do you want a family? Do you want to get married? Uh, okay, okay. Do you want children? Okay.
0: I, I thought it was like the deep what do you want from life? I was like, well, fucking hell. Well, what um, I can I know what you mean. Too. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um It's a good question. Obviously, coming up to 30 now. Um birthdays in January, so that's going to be an exciting one. But some people do look at it as, as a tipping point. Obviously, you know, I do want the typical kids, family um that's obviously hugely important you know listening to the beginning of the podcast you're going to probably have learned that that's going to be an important part of my life but there's also and this may be why I'm I'm like this with people and kind of that trust issue is I want to get it right because to me if I didn't I feel like a failure if I went through you know the kid journey and you know I walked away I'd feel like how I just follow the footsteps uh, of my dad so Obviously, I want all of that. I want to be with a partner, build a life, um, someone to look after Tucker for me. Like yeah, it. yeah. Um, but yeah, the very, very typical things that, that I think most people want in life. You know, good job, good house, stable home, good income, have fun. You know, be able to travel uh, and all, all good fun.
1: What kind of parent do you think you're going to be?
0: That's a great question because this, I think, you th- a lot of people think about this, especially men. I think. For me, stability obviously is going to be huge. Like as I've grown and and even when I moved here, like my number one goal is obviously stability. And that's for myself, like even being with me and my dog, you have to have stability to be able to build up kind of the foundation of, of how you want your life to be. And that's especially when you bring another partner into the situation is, there probably was other times in my life that I didn't have that. And looking back at it, that's probably no wonder the relationships may not have worked out. I was traveling a lot more, work was a bit more crazy. So I really want to focus on on stability, being there for obviously everyone that would be part of my family um, and stepping into those, those footsteps that my that my father could not.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> do you, what do you think about men expressing their emotions and do you feel that you express them well?
0: I do now. Again, I was pretty closed off when I was younger. I I didn't. Obviously, this podcast, you'd like to think that I'm being as, as vulnerable as possible. And, and, you know, this is it's not an easy thing to do. When you think about it, people are going to listen to it and be like, cool, like, that, that was great. And we want more, or we want more information. And, and you can have as much information as you can. But equally, there's a person behind the scenes and again referring back to why this podcast was created there is a big story behind that instagram profile we post the biggest best life that we can post and everyone believes and that's what they see especially for me like when i go back to england they think i'm like crazy successful like everything's going perfectly well and they don't see the struggles that came along the way of you not being able to see your family you sometimes could be alone You got to figure out your job. Where do you go on your nightlife? How do you get a work life balance? There's all this crazy story um, behind the scenes there. So I think expressing your emotions is super important. Obviously, in a relationship, it tends to be easier to do. You connect with a person and and you can do that. Probably to my friends, I'm probably pretty close off. I think a lot of them would probably be shocked to hear some of the stories maybe on the podcast, but even in general, like opening up and especially as a guy to some of your friends and saying, I've really been struggling recently and what i tend to do is i disconnect from people and it's kind of a horrible habit because you'll probably pull yourself away as a friend and some people will be like well he never messaged me or he didn't and sometimes that can be a physical response that i literally cannot message because obviously you you're going through the the things that you are but definitely express emotion as we've you know grown as a society i feel like this is getting easier for people especially for guys even women too um that it is a safe space people are always gonna you know show hate in some aspect but the this that's gonna be a small majority and hopefully from this podcast there's gonna be a lot of positivity and yeah helpful.
1: i definitely think that men are put in a different category where they're brought up and taught not to express emotion not to have feelings not to show you know those types of emotion and it's it's good to hear men talking about mental health and talking about struggles and what hurts them and like what brings them up and different things as well because it's not just exclusive to women of course like we're put on this kind of pedestal saying we're emotional creatures but Mm -hmm. it's not just women it's men too
0: yeah and again it's you know i'm not i'm not looking for praise or saying i'm a victim but a big part of doing this was there was a part of me was like, who else? Like I am essentially a nobody in this city and in the world, like some people may listen to this that don't even know me. And I just felt like if I don't do it, maybe no one else will. Or maybe there's more people, important people that are doing it currently and they get a better message across. But if I share my story, maybe that's a one more foot in, in kind of the ocean that will also do it. And everyone around you will hopefully say, you know, it's okay to do that. If Dan did that and he seems to be, this lively character on a night out, but yeah, he's gone through all this shit throughout his life. He's not had a, a dad throughout it. He's gone through all this mental health issues, things like that. He's moved countries uh, twice, basically. Um, you know, everyone's going through a different story and, and hopefully this podcast kind of elevates that it's a safe space and, and you're really not the only one out there.
1: Yeah, just kind of piggybacking on that. Obviously, you said like a lot of people maybe not know different things about you and whatnot. What do you think people misunderstand about you the most?
0: Oh, that's such a good question. Honestly, I think that's that came up a lot, I noticed, when we were asking kind of people what they wanted to know. And it's such a great question, but such a difficult one. Obviously asking someone that does misunderstand you would probably give the best answer of why they misunderstand you. I think again, it refers back to this podcast why it was created. I think people have a presumption of who you are. Who is the person behind Instagram without even knowing you? I know a lot of people that will listen to this and they may not admit it, but go, fuck, that's so true. Like, I meet people on night out, they think one thing of you and you're a completely different person. Now, I think there's a lot of different views. You know, you can have that, oh, he's that super uber confidence. I think you get, he's a complete dickhead. He's cocky, he's confident. He's come from somewhere else. He's that British guy, whatever you want to look at it. I think there's multiple misunderstandings that you can have and obviously different people you meet uh it tends to be different i think that what i do like about that is it does happen to me a lot and it happens in a nice way if that makes sense so i've had people kind of be like who's this guy like he's british completely different and then i've obviously opened up in a scenario like this and and they're like wow he's just down to earth like this guy's moved countries he's left his family He's here to make friends, he's here to work hard and and I think that shows especially when you can be authentic uh, mm-hmm. along the way.
1: Yeah. What makes you what makes you happy?
0: Another good question, but another tough question. Um because if you ask me like am I truly happy because that's another question that a lot of podcasts ask is my true answer is that no. Now, people are going to be like oh my god, this is depressing. Now it's not in that sense. Because you're always striving for happiness. That's how I look at it. There's always, especially in my Capricorn mind, I'm always thriving for more, 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 more. That's how I operate. But there is a parts of my life that are happy. I'm secure in my job. I'm secure in my house. I've got my dog that I've had for over four years now. I've got my family that I know is always there to support me. Like I've got a lot of things around me that make me happy. Now, you can always compartmentalize this in the sense of like, there's obviously the materialistic things that a lot of people look at that makes happy. But honestly, for me, it's time. And when I talk about time, people always laugh because I make that joke about time is limitless because it is, it doesn't exist. Someone created a clock, it's all bullshit. However, um, spending time with people is super important to me. So the reason you see me out a lot probably, you know, at the bars or going for dinners is spending time with people is the number one thing. I'll never get that back. I'll never get that opportunity. So spend as much time with people, whether that's your partner, your family or, or people on a night out. So that's, uh, that's kind of my, my focus. Awesome. Well,
1: as we kind of wrap up, I want to just shoot a couple fun questions at you.
0: Yeah, go for um, it.
1: okay. First off, what is your favorite food?
0: My favorite food. Oh my god! Well, steak is probably the the definite go to there.
1: How do you cook it?
0: Okay, so this is controversial. I actually was obsessed with blue. So people are gonna be like, "Oh my god!" So I used Thanks. to love blue steaks. However, I've never had it done right in like Canada. So I never order that. So typically, I order rare or medium rare. It depends on the cut, um, but typically rare to medium rare.
1: Favorite place in the world.
0: Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, Portugal is one of my favorite places. Australia was obviously beautiful. Honestly, Bangkok, Thailand, people are going to be like, Bangkok, it's crazy. But I love the craziness. I love how busy there's like mopeds, there's like so much traffic everywhere. It's chaos. Um, but it's also fun. Everywhere you go in, they're super welcoming, especially if you're a, a tourist.
1: What's your drink of choice?
0: oh negroni <laughs> spagliato with prosecco in it
1: oh stunning yeah
0: yeah that's it no it's not honestly my <laughs> my favorite so i'm a very typical i'm a lager guy like i'll go out and my first drink is always lager and then i'm typically on the vodka soda and lime or some would refer to as slime um that i used to be a rum guy used to be spice rum and coke danger oh oh, danger because the sugar in the morning that used to be a big hit obviously tequila is a good one um but anything that can you know get you on that level
1: yeah it seems like you do not have a choice i know i don't mentioned 17 different alcohols but that's okay i know uh how many tattoos do you have
0: oh good question so i have god i don't one two three four five six seven eight Eight What's, Tattoos.
1: Okay. What's your favorite movie?
0: Probably Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm like a Jack Sparrow at heart. Uh,
1: are you a nerd?
0: No, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, maybe I am. No, I don't think so.
1: Okay. What is your I'm biggest scared.
0: fear? i um, Oh you know what this is quite deep but it's honestly being alone okay but yeah. the way well, I say I
1: was hoping to hear spiders but
0: <laughs> <laughs> no I don't give people say that's all the time um you know I think I've spoke to people recently like spiders I hate them like I don't give it because I was the guy in the house and I was the youngest in my house Dan come downstairs kill a spider and I would go down and kill it, and I'd be like, come on guys I'm tired like kill a spider.
1: I could see you cowering at a cockroach
0: no I, I lived in australia like i had cockroaches on the sa- screen door Like, why op- do they fly <laughs> oh i don't know but f- i opened the screen door in australia middle of australia we're in a caravan or whatever those fucking things are i opened the door the screen door and i'm not joking was covered in about 90 flying cockroaches and when you talk about these things they, they're not small they the size of the hand they're the size of your palm of your hand and w- i'm not even joking there was Seven lads in this caravan that were sleeping. It's quite screaming, an ass- screaming, like <laughs> rugby dudes too, like massive rugby dudes. One was from Wales, but he lives in Canada now. Actually, like his name was Lloyd. Fucking hilarious, and people are just like, "What the fuck is on the door?" No one left until it until it came bright in the morning. Um, but yeah, what I was saying, my big, my biggest fear before you push me towards spiders, uh, <laughs> people are gonna be listening to this like, "Oh no!" As soon as he said spiders, I'm out. But it would be being alone and when I say that is like because I've got a small family obviously losing them and then being in a a different country and 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 you know almost feeling like you're that that last person on earth never wanting to feel that I think that's that's kind of terrifying
1: yeah well I mean that's very deep and really opening up there.
0: Yeah, you got you got enough with that? Well, <laughs> thanks so much obviously everyone that that sent in some questions. I know Brianna kind of put her own little twist on it and pushed me a little bit further. I hope obviously everyone got as much detail as they could on this first episode. Like I said, there's going to be plenty more episodes. The next episode is going to be with Jackson McDonough. Some of you may know him. He is the CEO of Upwardly Careers. So he's going to talk a little bit about childhood. He also will talk about dating um, and, and what that looks like for him. But thanks, obviously, so much to you, Brianna, for being on the show. It's been amazing. You've been a laugh, obviously, talking to you prior to the show. And hopefully people have enjoyed it as well.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, allowing me to ask you all these questions. Questions and, like you said, putting my own little spin on it.
0: <laughs> Thank you to Brianna for joining me to give you guys as much depth as possible into my life. Next week, we'll meet Jackson McDonough to learn about his life behind his social media. If you want to ask a question on a future episode, go to our Instagram, Sonda Society Pod, where you can suggest topics and even nominate a guest you want to see on the show. If you enjoyed the show, please review us on Spotify and Apple, and don't forget to set up those notifications for our new episode releases.